Hello and welcome to the swim brief. As I just said, we'll do it live. And nobody under the age of 40. Well, I guess I'm 39, but uh, nobody younger than me understands that reference. You're, you're 39, but you read it at a 40 year old level. And I think that's why, why you're able to understand your own references like that. Yeah. I think, I think that uh, it's probably good because that's a Bill O'Reilly clip from when he was, I think, on like Entertainment Tonight or something. And huh. if people don't recognize it, it means they have no idea who Bill O'Reilly is. And I think that's a great thing. Okay, so. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah. Um, Joel, uh, of course, uh, is on here with me. We have no Eric this week. He's um, very busy testing out some advanced products. Actually, I forget why he's not here. So I just always top, make top something secret, up on the spot. Speedo business. Top secret. Top secret. Super speedo se business. Super secret stuff. Um, and uh, I am uh, trying to do a better job promoting off the top. So anybody listening to this, um, uh, yesterday I launched a, a brand new Instagram account for Chris DeSantis Coaching. So um, if you want more content that is going to be a lot more positive psychology focused than this podcast. Although the one we're about to record is quite positive psychology focused. So it's a good theme to go hand in hand, but if you want um, Instagram content that um, is focused around the work that I do with Chris DeSantis coaching um, and 20% of it um, being my sense of humor as well, or whatever you might consider. Or lack thereof. Or lack yeah. thereof, right? It's Chris D underscore coach on Instagram. So Chris D all one and then an underscore and coach. Um, and it launched yesterday. Uh, really happy so far, the amount of people that are following it. And um, I've got plenty of content just sort of waiting to go up there. Um, and so I'm looking forward to seeing you guys there coming, interacting around some of that stuff. And then, um, you know, come come back here and listen to episodes of The Swim Brief, including ones like this one, where actually we're going to kind of turn the tables because as I see it, Joel, you're actually going to be the host. Today. Yeah, yep. Yeah, yeah. So, for, well, first, congrats on setting this up. I know it's a yeah. arduous process, but that's good. I think it, I think um, things really going to turn out well. I'm really excited yeah. for you. Thanks. Yeah. I, um, I I I I am in the process of um, doing more work with Chris DeSantis coaching, and um, I I've spent the past couple of years when I've been uh, pretty low key with that stuff, thinking about what could I do better. The next time around and one of those things was give give a modicum of effort into your social media and um so i i and i didn't just go like you know uh like we're about to talk about i think later just go and beat myself up and say try harder damn yeah, it yeah. you know i i i i did actually spend a bunch of time learning what to do and how Awesome. You got your audio going there? Yeah, I, I think right. I, I by mistake fidgeted with my AirPods in the background and therefore they decided to take over. For it's the East Coast hand gestures. You throw those in there. It, scare, it scares us Midwesterners and throws the audio off. There you go. So I put the AirPods yes. away. That's good. You Great go ahead. Call. Yeah, so I was, you and I talked a little bit, uh, you know, texting. And um, I was thinking about like when I coached club, I would have kids from six years old up to 18 and I'd start to always think, you know, from a physiological perspective, what are they going to need 
down the rock, you know, and when they're 13, 14, when they're 15, 16, when they're in college. And then you start to think about, okay, what are they going to do technique wise? You know, what's appropriate at this level, this level, this way. But I think what I'm, this is why I started to backtrack on. I want to ask you about, I think we always just kind of do, you know, we always kind of tick the box of we're doing goal setting. We've got short term, we've got long term, you know, so technique, I've got an idea what I want them to do at each age, physiologically each age, but then with goal setting and things like that, it's just like one size kind of fits all. And then I started coaching college and you start to see kids at the back end of their careers. Um, you know, and sometimes we see these articles like about Caleb Dressel and I'm not saying we have to, something went wrong or, or something was bad with his training. I think, I mean, it happens. And that's why I, I think the phrase um, retro design is kind of a, a, a bad one to go with. I, I think I heard just the other day, this phrase called back casting. We have forecasting, but like back casting and thinking, what are some variables that we can maybe um, lay down in, in their past to try to help them as they go through these progressions, as they get to their older stage where, you know, the time drops aren't coming or, and they just kind of are that, like you said, I'll just grind a little bit harder. And um, I think sometimes you get these diminishing returns that might frustrate and um, and push kids out of the sport, you know, before they really um, are ready to leave the sport, I guess. I don't know a better way to phrase that back part there. But I, I would just kind of wonder, in your eyes, what would be a, a way we could kind of backcast some of the things we need for resilience as they get through each step of the way, I guess? Yeah. So and I was so excited that you asked this question. When, when he wrote it, because I mean, one of the things that I always struggle to do is um, to get some of what I know and sort of what I'm working with in terms of positive psychology into the various formats. So that is something actually I'm working with. And this is a question that I spend an inordinate amount of time thinking about. I've probably, some variation of what you've just asked, I've been thinking about it for 15 years. Um, ever since I came across some of this positive psychology theory um, and the pieces, pieces of it that resonated with me, but that hadn't, you know, that they were, they were very abstract from, from what I was doing as a coach or even what I did um, as an athlete, not somebody I, I was talking about this this past weekend who kept competing until I was 34. And I think I'll probably compete again. So um, I've got some stuff, you know, that, that, that is a coaching piece of I've got, I've got some stuff that's personal, right? Like it takes, um, I, I, if I give myself some credit, a certain amount of resiliency to continue to want to compete well past, you know, college or, any kind of level where literally anybody is expecting you to do anything, right? Um, and so I think there's there's so many directions we could take this in. The, the first one and the most important one to me is I think there is a fundamental flaw in most models um, of how swimmers and athletes, I think in general, or people in general, learn to motivate themselves to do things, right? Um, and because of this sort of developmental flaw in motivational structure, 
athletes end up motivating themselves in a way that is very effective in the short term, that is almost always effective in the short term, but over the long term, it can actually, it sort of poisons their motivation so that if they keep grinding, if they keep going back to the well, um, to use another analogy, over time, they will learn to really dislike what they're doing. And I think we see this all the time, right, with people who are super, super committed to the sport, and then they reach a point, and I, you know, I think Caleb Dressel communicated this quite effectively, that, like, here's somebody who has dedicated so much to it and has gotten a lot of enjoyment out of the sport of swimming, but somehow things have gotten to a stage where he was actively disliking the thing that he was so passionate about. Right. And mm -hmm. um, so I see like a massive opportunity uh, if, if, you know, we can sort of rebuild cultures around motivation and teach about motivation at a developmentally appropriate stage. Um, and I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just staying pretty vague about this um, because, you know, I, I want to see what, what kind of questions uh, you might have based on what I just said. And we'll, we'll sort of go down one of those paths. Well, I, I was just thinking like with, um, like with Caleb Dressel example, kind of taking it back to like my level of coaching, which is obviously a billionth level below that. I don't level. say, don't be so modest, Joel. You it's so thank you. But um, so I had I had a woman in, in New York really well too. That that's from on the team, and she was capable of doing an NCAA a cut, pretty much in a, in a dual meet. You know, if, if she was on, she could hit an a cut. And there's also times where she could be four to six seconds in a hundred off, and just just because that's just how it was, you know. Right. And, and yet that four to six seconds was still so much faster than all of her teammates and all the people around her that, again, she never had the team kind of able to kind of come up, you know, it's okay, you can bounce back. You know, everyone comes up to the 125, 100-yard breaststroker that just went 145, like, it's okay, you'll do better next. Because, so again, you're like, you know, and here I think people sometimes, they just assume that because you're fast, that takes care of everything, you know? Right. So Kale Dressa – to our eyes, good looking guy, swimming fast, has all these endorsements, does whatever he wants to do. He's good. You know, and we don't think about that, that, that possibility that he might not be good. And, and like you're saying, so maybe is it somewhere along the line where we just assume that is it something like when you're eight and under nine and you get, you go to sleep the next day, you're faster. You know, it's just, you woke up, you're bigger. Then all of a sudden you hit an age where all of a sudden it gets a little, and we see that all the time, 13, 14 women, that's a break point. 15, 16, that's a break point. There's these points where all of a sudden you just see these population yeah. declines. And I'm wondering if it is kind of that one size fits all where, again, it doesn't matter the speed of the person, I guess is what I'm saying. Elite level on down, a goal is a goal, whether it's to break you know, 50 point or 110, it yeah. doesn't matter. Yeah. So I think I want to highlight a couple of things that you brought up because I, right. I, I, there's some, there's some um, the ways um, that I think about it and, and communicate about, you know, those sort of themes, there's themes in what you brought up. One of them is, again, you use Dressel as an example, and I think it's fruitful to use Dressel as an example because he's, 
one of the most famous swimmers in the entire right, world. Right. So people are thinking about him all the time. The the examples make sense to him and uh, make sense to people because you know they just have more sort of knowledge. In comparison to us talking about um, the Division Three national record holder that you coached, which only you know complete nerds like me know about, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So, right, right, right. So, um, like when you when you um, look at like like a swimmer like Dressel, and I could see again as somebody who had followed his swimming pretty closely that you know like okay, what's his best time in the 100 free is like a, a 47.0, right? Mm-hmm. And then he swims at the world championships this year. And I think he did 47 mid, basically. Um, or he did that in the lead up um, somewhere around there. He, I'm guessing, again, I don't know. So I want to specify everything with, I don't know right, right, about Caleb right. Dressel, but I'm, I'm guessing it, it does affect him in a similar way to any swimmer that anyone listening to this podcast has coached or any person who's ever swam, who's gone. I, I just went to my big meet and I swam slower than my best time. Like you have a bad feeling about that, right? Like it just, it, there, there is nothing um, in particular you can do. There is something psychological that like triggers a negative emotion with you even though it's completely unfair, right? Even though, even when we can recognize that like, it's abjectly unfair to expect yourself to just improve, improve, improve forever. And especially when you have essentially reached a level that's almost unparalleled in the history of the sport, it doesn't matter. You're, You're a human being, you still expect yourself to improve. And one of the reasons behind this, this goes to the second point that you made, um, and I've written about this uh, after I have a blog way back about this, but I think it's um, the, 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 the process you described whereby, yeah, you start swimming and every time you dive in the water, you go best time. And then eventually that stops happening. I call, I just, you know, sort of coined uh, a term genetic free ride for that. Right. That's good. So yeah. Like, yeah. That makes sense. Like you, because uh, I've seen it, like you have swimmers that don't even hardly practice or do right. anything that a coach would sit down and say, like, this is what you need to do to improve that will improve regardless. And I think this, you know, there's a whole other podcast we could do about how the heck do you evaluate age group coaches? Because mm-hmm. our, our shorthand evaluation is like, hey, how much are the swimmers improving? But right. it's all, it's like really hard to make a certain age of swimmer to have a certain age of swimmer not improve. Like it's almost right. impossible because, <laughs> because they just get bigger, they get stronger and yeah. they get more coordinated. There, there, then there's a, a last sort of period where they start to get more sort of coordinated in their new adult body. And right, that's, right. that's sort of, if I were to point pinpoint any point as the end of genetic free ride, it would be that. And, but psychologically, right they are in this period where they may learn that what they love about swimming is that great feeling of showing up to a meet and going the best time. Because just in the same way I described with Dressel, that even though it's unfair, you know, you, you will probably have a negative emotion triggered by anything short of the best 
performance you've ever done. The flip side of that is also true. It feels really good to go a best yeah. time. Like right, it, right. it feels awesome. And imagine your experience with the sport is I've been doing this for five years and almost every time I dive into the water, I get this great feeling and then it just stops. Right. And right. you're thinking like you, you've, you've drawn all this. If I, if I reference like motivational structure, you've built all this structure around it. like, like uh, to give an example, you might say, um, well, I'm improving a lot and I'm dropping a lot of time and it's because I work so hard. You, that might be like a sort of connection you form in your mind, pretty natural connection. And you probably have a lot of people backing that up. You probably have coaches telling you that maybe your parents are telling you that when you're a kid. And then what are you supposed to think then when you don't keep improving? Well, I must not be working hard. enough, And that's where the negativity starts to really take root because you have you, if, if the positive statement is true and, and you really believe it, well, then the opposite, it's only fair to guess that the opposite must also be true. I'm wondering with that then, is it like um, almost like a pearl? Like you've got this grain of sand and then the coating kind of keeps going around, but it, the very base of that pearl is still that grain of sand. So the same thing is like that might be the, so if, if you look at the, like the brain, that might be all their brain is like about that positive, like I just got faster. And yet as we go on, that's still somewhere down inside your brain, kind of like in a primitive response, you know, yeah. where, right. That you might not even have an idea that is there. Right. And maybe, and so what you're saying is like, in a sense, it's, it's like such a, a base kind of a thing that you don't even recognize. Of course you want a best time. Cause it's been in your life all your, you know, every, every time you swim, that was kind of the thing. And now it's like so far in the back. So it's not really a cognitive thing, but it's there. And therefore when you do something, it's not like you go, Boy, I wonder why I'm not feeling 100% here, you know, because yeah. it's such a down deep kind of core value yeah. almost in swimming where I, I have to swim fast. I have to swim faster than I did before. Right. And I think it's interesting, too, like when we talk about Caleb Dressler, like right there, like we don't know him. We don't know if this is what's going on. But just like the other people in the world are able to kind of shift what's going to motivate them, you know, from the outside. Well, you won. So you should be happy. You know, you didn't go best. You made a million dollars. Therefore, you should be happy. You're making this many million dollars. Therefore, and again, it's like always us on the outside is in a sense feeling like, well, he's got to be happy. It's like, well, he didn't get this, this or this, but he got a million dollars, you know, but right. he, at a certain point, it's always that, that deep, what you're saying is that is that really deep down base thing that you might not even realize is there anymore. Yeah. Is it kind of what you're saying? Yeah. And I don't, I don't like, uh, I, I want to always be extremely careful to say what I don't know if there's a step that can be taken um, earlier in swimmers careers to sort of prevent that from taking root, I don't mm -hmm. know what it is. I, I, I really don't know um, because I, you know, I can see how it happens so naturally and um because it happens so naturally, it's just, it's just extremely hard to subvert such a powerful process. And then you have to think about like, why would you even want to subvert the process of feeling good about doing your best? You know, like if there's the, the, the implications of it 
I just haven't been able to wrap my mind around. But what I but what I do see is that another another thing runs concurrently, and that is something I referenced all the way at the beginning, and I think goes to the heart of um, the biggest piece of this where positive psychology comes in that athletes learn also simultaneously to getting all this feedback that like you're doing great everything's great it's so fun to go best time etc that pessimism is extremely motivating in the short term um and this was something that it took me probably a decade <laughs> of thinking to realize right because I think when you start talking about optimism and pessimism, the base message that everybody gets, and I run into this every time I go talk to somebody else about it, is pessimism bad, optimism good, right? Like that, right, right. We, we always, our brain is always seeking to take complex subjects and make them simpler. And that is the grossest sort of simplification we can come up with for that stuff. But in reality, it, it's not, it's nowhere near that simple. Um, and uh, pessimism is extremely motivating. And what do I mean by that? I mean, like, I don't know, Joel, like, look, I'm going to do this with you. I, I actually might have an example for you. I might, yeah, good, you, can, good. you can tell me if I'm not done with this. Okay. So the, uh, I had this one swimmer. Um, it was funny because in end of four years, I kind of let the seniors have a little time at the microphone at the banquet and just say, you know, a little thank you to their parents yeah. or whatever. And, and uh, this woman's speech was like every year that she swam, she assumed that I was going to cut her. At some point, I was going to cut her from the team or not bring her to conference. I think she at the time, she had like four team records. She was an NCAA qualifier in two events. So I'm on a couple All-American relays. But yeah. in her, she honestly believed she was going to get cut. And for her, and again, I, I, I might be extrapolating too far with yours, but the idea that this pessimism drove her very hard. I mean, she was first one in the water, last one to leave, did everything you asked her to do because she's afraid she's going to get cut. And again, it turned out very well from a standpoint of team records and success and speed. Just, I always thought like, that's just not a way I want to live my life though. Every day you're like, again, you're going to be successful, but I don't think you're ever going to appreciate that success. Cause you're always like, I'm going to get cut tomorrow. Now I yeah. just know it. Well, it's like I said, it's, it's motivating. And uh, the, 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 the end of that statement is it's motivating in the short term. Well, like I said in the beginning, it's poisonous in the long term, right? Because it's not sustainable. It's it yeah. like if, if she, I would gather that if she had to keep competing in swimming for another 40 years, that she would run and run aground fairly soon after finishing college. Like she may have just held on for the time period <laughs> she needed to hold on yeah. to because or just been so ulcer ridden and like hair falling yeah, out. Yeah. The, the, the negative side effects right. of that deep level of pessimism, right. Which we can, which we can identify naturally. And, and it, you, you formulated perfectly the core statement that I see at the bottom of all pessimistic motivation. And that is a, some formulation of, if I don't, I won't, right? So if I don't right. push myself insanely hard, right. I won't be on the team. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right, right, right. And that, like, if you say that to yourself, it will get you out of bed in the morning and to practice. Yeah. Like, 
And like what I mean, it's super motivating in the short term, but right. but over the long term, at some point, you are going to hate how mean you're being to yourself. Like you're you 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 only can take any any human being can only take so much, and and even when it's yourself, yeah, um, that's applying it, you're just gonna be like enough already. You know? And I can think of so many examples because there's so many times like um, where you have kids in your office and they're kind of on the fence. I remember listening to George Kennedy, who's at a Johns Hopkins. So he's like, sometimes you're the, you know, you're the guy that has to open the door to let them out in a sense, you know, they're, yeah. they're, you know, and, but I hear so many times that, you know, I can insert the same exact thing. If I don't swim, I won't have friends. If I don't, you know, you know, regulate my eating, if I don't do this, this, which would lead to some really behaviors that like were pretty scary down the line, right. but it always, you're right. I, I can think of so many of these conversations just hitting me in the head now where it always started. If I don't do this, I won't be able to do this. Yeah. And again, and there's so many times that I remember rewarding that where, yeah, if you don't go to practice, you're not going to swim fast. Oh, yeah. We do it all the time as coaches. Because we it's go exactly like, if you what don't, I want. If you yeah, don't yeah. hold 29s on this set right now, how the heck do you think you're going to go 156 exactly. in that 200? Like you need to exactly. do it right now. Right. 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 And, and, and then they do it. And so you're like, in, in, in my mind that worked, yeah. I'm gonna, that's, that's in my toolbox. And I'm going to bring that one up again later on when I need that, because it is, you, you keep on, you know, hitting the horse. Yeah. And again, like the, 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 the place that I've gotten to it is right. <clears throat> is a, and then let me hopefully right after we said that now the, all yeah. the people listening going like, Oh my gosh, I said, I did that. You know, the, I'm still doing it today, you know, like <coughs> it eliminating you eliminating pessimism from your life is um, a similar goal to um, eliminating oxygen in your inhalations. Like you eliminating cannot, jealousy, just anything right. that just you cannot, yeah, you yeah, cannot, right. right? So th there that there's no such thing as as that as a goal. And situationally, pessimism is extremely warranted. Sure, um, sure. I, I uh, have used this example a lot of times, like um, if a, if my house is burning down and a fireman comes to put out the fire, I would like him to have the pessimistic thought that if he does not put out the fire, <laughs> right. my house will burn to the ground. That's a, that's a okay thought. That's a right, right. productive thought for a fireman to have in that situation. You know, I usually say that, like, I just want a pessimistic fireman. But the truth is, I'd like some optimism in my fireman, too, because I don't want yeah. to give up. <laughs> like, Correct. yeah, you know, like, uh, uh, there's no oh, point. There's gone. no point yeah. in doing it. Yeah, there's this another one gone. Right. So but I I, I do want that um, core core of the thought. And it's not it's you won't be able to avoid doing some of this formulation. Um, it's just if you can build a motivational structure, I think that has, that doesn't just keep going to the well of pessimism and yeah. hammering yourself with, if I don't, I won't. Can um, you take the example of like, you know, 29s are the goal. Okay. You already threw that out there. What, what would be a, a, you know, obviously sometimes it might slip out. Like we said with the pessimism, can you, can you, switch it, turn it to something again, where it's going to be more positive vein of like the 29s to reach your goal. You know, how, how yeah. is it again, where I'm, it's not assigning too much? I mean, really simple. Uh, like 
really simple, just sort of mirror it on the other side. So like, if I go 29s, then I have a better chance of going my goal. Okay. So like, like they're doing, I don't know, just throw out some arbitrary set 2050s on a minute and they're not going quite where they want to be. Like they're starting out 30s. Like, so maybe you just, as an example, be like, Hey, imagine if you go 28s here, eight more fifties, what do you think you can do if you can go 28s? Do you think that'd be a better way to phrase it? Would that be eventually kind of getting in the same pitfall that we're talking about here? Well, I think, you know, like now we're getting into to very specific situational. I think, you know, like this is this is where you get into the art of coaching. Like, mm-hmm. no, mm-hmm. you, you know, you got to have a relationship sure. where you know the person you're coaching well enough to know what exactly how to phrase it and how to put it in that situation. My guess is, however, that said that almost everyone you coach that that sort of pessimism that if you don't, you won't thing comes naturally right, right. to them. So it's sure. like, to me, it's, it is for the most part redundant to point that out to them. Like you're essentially, you're, you're, you're telling them the same thing that they're already telling themselves many, maybe hundreds of times over and internalizing and ruminating on after practice. Now, this all depends on also how much I would say heavily on how invested they are. Cause it's interesting. I see, that the more invested the athlete gets, that the more um, sort of endemic the the pessimism gets. So okay, I, I've seen this now. I coach quite well. It's a different brand, and then now now I'm getting into another sidebar. But it's it's a different brand of pessimism when you get lower on the achievement scale. It's less right. of an in a, a pessimistic um, way of flogging themselves into doing things and it's more of a pessimistic like i said with the the pessimistic fireman example more of a why even try because it's not going to matter anyway that that is kind of a different brand of pessimism but back to your question that you were asking um uh about the athlete yeah or i i think still like even the formulation that i gave the, the difference between those two things is if you start with the, if you don't, you won't, then your visualization of everything you, you're doing is, um, here's my expectations for myself. And people who are high achieving, one of the things that they universally have is high expectations for themselves. Like I've never met a high achieving person who's like, right. I'm all right yeah. with whatever. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Whatever, I, whatever I do, it's good. You know, like, they're, they're, they're always setting really high expectations. They've got their expectation level. And then mm-hmm. everything that doesn't meet their high expectation level is right. below the line. It's yeah. a deficit. Like, right. so all they can, like literally they've got t- tunnel vision. So the, the top of everything they can see is their expectation. And, mm-hmm. and then they only visualize stuff that either meets their expectation or is below the line, right? And so you can imagine how those deficits can pile up in their mind. And that's when you have a really high achieving athlete who um, is is feeling incredibly negative about themselves and when what they're capable of and therefore extremely anxious when it comes time to compete at their best. Now, if you take the other statement, the statement that I made that says like, 
if I can do 29s, then I have a better chance to, or even the statement you made, if I can do 28s, right? Now you've taken the, the visualization and your expectation level is here, right? And everything that comes above your expectation level is a surplus. You can't see the mm -hmm. surplus if it's all, if you don't, you won't. Because all you're visualizing right. is your deficits. On the flip side of it, if you can see that meeting your expectations, okay, that's good. Um, and by the way, I always tell people like, because I think that, you know, the people get tortured by their high expectations. And then there's right. people around them going, well, maybe you shouldn't have such high expectations for yourself because that's really what's torturing. I think that's bullshit. Sorry. That's my one swear for the podcast. Now like, we're not getting on Disney. Yeah. Now we're not right. getting on Disney. You know, hold on to that. Um, hold on to high expectations for yourself, but be able to visualize yourself either when you're meeting them, also focus on when you're exceeding them. Because right. think about the difference that makes when you get to that high performance moment and you're standing behind the block and what you have accustomed in your memory is not all the times, not all your deficits, <laughs> not everything that's wrong with you and all the mistakes that you made and all the reasons why you might not do well, right? Instead, you can visualize all the times you met your high expectations for yourself or even exceeded them. Right. And um, that, that is pretty powerful and can, can uh, definitely influence how confident you're feeling and how untortured and sort of unworried you might feel in a moment like that. And I, I'm thinking too, a couple of points here, like, especially you mentioned, like, I imagine like, again, using like a, a Caleb Dressel type example, some someone, or the, the woman that I mentioned that like yeah. all these team records and things like that, her pessimism from the coach's perspective, I would just kind of laugh. You know, I feel bad now because because now I realize it's not the worst it, reaction it, I can imagine. Yeah, it, in, it, yeah, in a sense, in a sense, that it's like she really believed that. I just didn't think that she could honestly believe that. And so for me, it was like I cannot believe that she would think this. I think she's just being ridiculous, and therefore I'd laugh. Versus, let's say the typical kid you get on your age group team comes in, he's got the hat on backwards, like the the logo is facing forward, the jammers there are three sizes too big, and their level of pessimism. Whatever level of pessimism they have, right away I'd be like, it's okay, man. Hang in there. You keep doing what you're doing. Let's figure out, you know, and so with them, I'm willing to kind of work through versus the elite level athlete. Again, like I, like we mentioned earlier with the woman who like could go four seconds slower and people won't talk to her because it's still faster than what they can do. Sure. Or this elite level pessimism where it's like, it seems so ridiculous to, to everyone else. And not being able to kind of go, geez, that's real inside of her, though. You know, it didn't yeah. occur to me even not until like this moment that's <laughs> real inside of her. And yet, like we said, you know, the, the person walking in gets a, a far different treatment level and helps through that that uh, that mental hurdle. Yeah. You know, and, and, and so it's kind of weird how how the in our sport time is so dependent on everything. It's like, oh, they'll be having a great time if they swim fast. You know, we'll, they'll get a different level of encouragement if they swim fast. You know, it's it's so contextual but also they're they're not going to receive the base level of hey you're doing a good job once they get a certain point too you know we're like dude you're doing fine hang in there it's okay yeah you know I, you, you kind of save that for all the other ones with the head on backwards and the goggles that are off askew and things like that yeah yeah i i would you I, it's a very astute point i would gather that there's probably a lot of people 
that don't give somebody like Caleb Dressel a lot of empathy when he's struggling because they go like, man, I'd kill to go 47. Exactly. Free. What's wrong with him? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, what do you mean you're not enjoying it? Like that would yeah. be like the most amazing thing that ever happened in my life. Like, what are you right. doing? You know? And I, I think two coaches have this reaction where like, well, this is like anybody when, when people are having experiencing a strong emotion, um, that part of your brain is extremely overpowering and it's so overpowering that it will shut down the um, neofrontal cortex. That is the thinking part of your brain. So if you, if someone else around you is having an emotional moment and you yourself are not experiencing it, it can be very easy to look at them and go, well, that person's being completely irrational right now. It's like, mm -hmm. why are they doing that? But we never have the second thought that's like, Oh yeah, I'm also irrational every time I'm having an emotional reaction. So yeah. actually what they're doing is totally normal. And I, I think what I'm on a mission for, I told my wife this last night in, in some of the work that I do um, is I started off, I was teaching optimism, right? And I, you know, thought like, okay, if I can just give people the skills to practice their optimism, I'm going to be doing a great thing in the world. And I still think that's worth doing. However, I have learned that a, a maybe a precursor step is destigmatizing pessimism on the other end. And like, so we get uncomfortable, you know, we can see that the other person is being unreasonable or being ridiculous in what they're saying. And we might have a reaction. Like I said, your laughing reaction is, is on the scale of uh, reactions I've heard. I've, I've seen way worse, right? I've seen... I've talked with coaches that, you know, and I probably have been guilty about this at moments too, who have started actively arguing with the athlete in that moment. Cause they're like, you know, basically like, why are you being such a blockhead and, mm -hmm. you know, like hurting and they get mad in that. I think we can, we as coaches, we have the opportunity to actually educate athletes to teach, to show them that um, the, sort of pessimistic thoughts they're having about themselves, that there's nothing wrong with them for having that, that actually makes them normal, like typical human beings. Like that is a natural thing to do. Um, and then that can be a pivot step to, you know, changing some of that in the future. And, and people often think uh, that if you accept something about somebody else like if, if somebody comes to you with that and you you accept what they're telling you that you agree with it you don't have to agree with it right mm -hmm. to, to to be empathetic towards another person you don't need to um buy that whatever they're telling you is going on is you know 100 percent reality you just have to accept that it's their reality right on and yeah like, yeah that makes know, sense like, yeah <laughs> just just accept like yes i i can see that's what you're thinking Right. Mm -hmm. And because, you know, who wants to accept help from somebody who doesn't understand what you're going through? Like, does, if they just if they if their immediate reaction is like your reality is is a lie. Well, you know, that sort of just puts a stop to any kind of forward progress on anything. 
I'm wondering too, and this might be a different podcast, the idea of how we, in a sense, um, treat athletes after each swim, you mm. know, especially, you know, like, like, again, that kind of, that, that base, you know, no matter what happens is first thing they get a best time, they're going to see their parents, the coaches, everyone smiling, clapping, happy. And so like, it becomes, if then, if I get a best time, then I get even a smile or something like that. It's a, it's a, it's a small reward, but it's a reward nonetheless. Yeah. And so each time that happens, I get this. But then also when the when you come out, and I, this is why I noticed, and again, you can tell me if this will be a different podcast another time. I had a really hard time turning off the, the yeah, but. Like, yeah, it was a great time. But we were really going to need to hit the third 50 on this next one. We're really going to do this. And so, like, they'd be seniors. This was their final swim, their last swim. They'd be giving them advice for their, their and, next and, 100 free. Well, it just it would always hit me where, like, I had to remember that – Oh, by the way, there's, there's nothing next. All you say is you did a great job. Fantastic career. I'm really happy you swam here. Thank you. Yeah. You know, and, and that, that took a lot to be able to kind of rewire myself to just kind of get in the moment of this is it. This is the swim. Enjoy the swim. Enjoy the race. And it was hard to do that as a coach. I, I'm assuming it's, it's hard to do as a swimmer too, because your whole life, first you get the little reward. Now, if you're not getting that best time and right away everyone's not smiling then you're like okay well what did i do wrong nelson here's the list it's the laundry list that you need to kind of correct next time and i wonder if again that kind of trains that pessimism to be more of the negative pessimism that you're talking about is that more an, another podcast or is that kind of tie in a little bit i think we could do a whole podcast on post-race conversations yeah like I, okay when you when you, <laughs> when you say it um because as i said i've been 15 years in the lab, and when I say in the lab, yeah, my sure. own brain, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sitting yeah. around obsessing, thinking about this stuff, and um, I'm I'm reminded of it because I I just recently had a phone conversation that I, I told you guys about with uh, Ryan Wackenberka, who I worked with at University of Houston, is now at Auburn University, and probably one of the most valuable things to me in anything that I do is. Um, you know, uh, when people tell me like, oh, and, and remember when you did this and like that made such a huge difference, you know, and I'm thinking like you, you, any coach that's listening to this can relate yeah. to this. You go, I don't remember doing that. Right? I yeah, I know exactly what <laughs> like, you mean. Exactly. I, I, don't, I don't remember doing that. And he had, um, uh, I spent an entire college invite where I said, I'm going to come. I'm not going to watch any of the swimming that, that everybody does. I'm going to stand next to you. And all I'm going to do is observe the conversation, the post race conversation, a three day right. meet yeah. and under big pressure. Um, and we had some takeaways from that, that um, apparently are still going to this day with him. And he has felt like um, there's some really, really successful stuff with that. Um, so maybe I think, I think, I think that's a good tease for the next yeah, podcast. Right? Then there right? we go. So we're going to lead into that. Maybe a little <laughs> guest appearance would be good. Maybe, maybe to tie up this one, then what would be something again, maybe again, uh, where I'm saying it's not a retro design that like this occurred, therefore this swimmer implodes, you know, right. what I'm saying is just how can we back cast him to like try to help the person a little bit more through it? Would you like kind of the Carol Dweck book of when you're giving any kind of praise or reward or something like that, address something behind it. So rather than the best time, so especially like an eight and under best time, 
obviously it could have been, they got bigger. It could have been, they had the right amount of like, you know, candy to, you know, fruit relation, fruit snack relationship where they were just on the right high to hit that swim. Maybe there's enough kids cheering, or maybe there's improvement. Maybe we need to make sure that we isolate, like, you know, that, that swim came from, you know, you, you working really hard and, and doing a great job this week. You know, is there, is there something like that, that we could kind of, you know, as the one takeaway from this podcast, you just fast forward to the end. Is there, is there something that you can make it where it's like a specific thing that you're trying to reward that doesn't all of a sudden become that time bomb ticking later on down the line? I mean, uh, a great question. And maybe just get a hold of your mic for a second. Cause you got a little bit of uh, scraping Sorry. back and forth. Um, and I know I'm going to get feedback bad. later. <laughs> I'm going to get feedback yeah. later. But I, so you un, you unopened a can of worms with the, with the Carol Dweck reference. Cause I think, you know, one of the challenges of doing anything like this is that if you, if you popularize anything, um, everything like you and I are both, um, you're going to get this example because you and I are both Milton Elms people. So if you popularize anything, you know, any, kind of posture line balance (laughs) (laughs) any kind of solution you come up with has second order problems and then it has third order problems and it has fourth order problems and like Mm -hmm. so part of another thing that i've spent all this time obsessing about is not only some of these interventions but then you know what do you do about the second order problem that comes and then what do you do about the third order and i would say um with the dweck stuff you know it goes back to the example I used earlier. So that like people got into doing that process praise, right? They got into like, I'm not going to just tell somebody great swim. I'm going to explain to them why it was a great swim. And maybe my explanations are going to be like, you worked on your turn so hard in practice and like it really paid off, right? Or whatever. Sure, I, want sure, to tie, yeah. I want to make that mental connection. But at the same time, the second order problem you get with that is then what conclusion should somebody draw um, when they don't do well? Well, they might take all the stuff that you have been praising them for doing and assume that they have not done it that time. Gotcha. Right. And, right. and that's probably not true. It probably is true that the difference between a good performance and a bad performance is that you did, you know, in the bad performance, you might've done four out of the 10 things you uh, would have helped you do it. And in a good performance, you did six out of the 10 things, right? But but your mind goes, when you do well, 10 out of 10, I did 10 out of 10. And when you do that, it goes zero out of 10 because it needs to, um, it needs to take that complexity and simplify it because it's lazy and, and it thinks. So I guess I would say a, a better intervention is to have long-term strategies for educating people about the negativity that they're going to encounter no matter what, right? Because that okay. subverts the whole, the, what, what I just described, that second order of everything, right? Um, educating people about that so that they, they, they have a commu- way of communicating about it. They have a language for sharing it and, right. and you dig destigmatize it in that way. And then you have an opportunity down the line to, to teach them a different path. Okay. 
to go. That's, so. that's good. I get yeah. it. All right. Um, thanks, Joel. Thanks for recording this. Thank you to everybody um, who's listening. Again, uh, Chris D underscore coach um, on Instagram if you want to follow that as well and get more content uh, like this. And uh, we'll be back, I think, next week with a more regular pod with Eric. And maybe, maybe for the YouTube viewers, we'll have, we'll have sorted out some stuff to get better video quality on here. Um, we're going to get our consultant, Lori Rollins, back on the case for sorting out that one. You got, you got some questions to go forward to the woman upstairs, Joel. That, yeah, that's, that's, that's going next level sarcasm too. And again, it's, it is, it's just the beat down of, again, understand lack of understanding of how anything outside the swimming world works. I get highlighted right then and there. Can't do this. Can't do this. Yeah. Good luck with that. And uh, yeah, I'll talk you. to you guys all again next week. Bye, all right. Thanks. See you.